What's the name of the show? You know what it is. What's the name of the show? It's called I'm Right. I was right again. You know that's my favorite thing in the world because I'm selfish. I'll explain. It's about Merrick Garland. Next. Merrick Garland had to testify in front of the Senate today. Remember when he testified in front of the House last week and got torn apart? Well, you knew that was only going to get worse for him when he had to testify in front of the Senate today. And I'm just going to give you a little tiny sample of it. This was how it went for Merrick Garland pretty much all day. This is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. That's not Th- Thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You that- should resign in disgrace, Judge. Ouch. I'm, I'm uncomfortable just sitting here. <laughs> Good for Tom Cotton for blasting away at that stupid hack, Merrick Garland. But you know what? That's not what we're going to lead with today. Well, wait a minute. I guess we just led with it. Whatever. You know what I mean. That's not the main focus today. The main focus today is, well, me. What's my favorite thing in the world? I know what you're going to say. Jesse, it's yourself. That's true, but my second favorite thing in the world is me being right about things and being proven right about things time and time again. Do you remember last week? Last week, I came on here, and you remember what I said about the people who lead us? You remember what I said? In case you forgot, this is what I said. I know this is a bitter pill to swallow for people. The people who run your country are all idiots, and they have no idea what they're doing, and they're actually not more informed than you. The most powerful people in the United States of America are actually less informed than you are. Remember when I said that? Remember when I said that? And I went on to tell you, you think, you think, because they're senators, right? That's presidents, senators, congressmen, You have this image in your head. I do too, right? We all have this image in our head of even the ones we hate. They're sitting there and they're getting uh, reports. Someone's definitely bringing them very important briefings all day long. So they know more than we do. This applies to ones you love or hate. I mean, these are very powerful people. They're getting, seriously, reports. Some, Some people are in a room somewhere making these reports, and they're giving them over to these senators and congressmen and presidents. And so, yeah, even the communists you don't like, they still know a lot more information-wise than you do. And remember what I said? I said, <clears throat> they don't. They're not getting these reports. These reports don't exist. And to what extent they do exist... They're simply reports that are put together by 25, 30-year-old communist staffers who are browsing the same news sites you're browsing and creating a report for the senator, the president, the congressman. We're led by idiots, uninformed idiots. And in case you thought I was wrong, here's Senator Dick Durbin today. And those who argue that school board meetings across America are not more dangerous and more violent than in the past are ignoring reality. I went on and just typed in this morning school board violence on one of the search engines. Page after page is coming up. We are seeing violence at these school board meetings at an unprecedented number. I don't believe, I think you made it clear, that, and you don't believe, that we should infringe on free speech. 
but free speech does not involve threats and violence, period. I'm, I'm sorry? Did I hear that wrong? Because that sounded like a U.S. senator who investigated all these school threats and all this school violence by typing it into Google? He's, he used an internet search? So, hold on. Just, just to drive this point home for you, we have a bunch of communist hacks who graduate journalism school, and they go work for all these communist sites like Yahoo and Slate and all these things like that. So some 25-year-old snot-nosed communist idiot who doesn't know anything decides he wants to start pushing out some school threat propaganda, so he types up some thousand-word article and gets paid 40 grand a year for it. Well, the big tech companies like Google and the search engines, they obviously suppress voices on the right because they're all communists too, and they elevate these idiot 25-year-old journalists on the left. The search results you see are always manipulated. Always. You understand that, right? And yet, that's what United States senators are using for reports when they get to question the Attorney General of the United States of America? You understand how insane that is and that's where we are as a country? The 25-year-old idiot communist journalist who writes for Yahoo makes policy now in the United States of America. In a roundabout way, he does. She does. Man, we are in some real trouble outfit. And <clears throat> I'm going to pause on that light and fluffy stuff for a moment. And I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer me. You don't have to answer your spouse if you're sitting there watching with them. Just think about this. Are we a good country still? And this is what I mean by that. Yesterday, the FDA voted 17 to 0. 17 to 0 to approve a COVID vaccine for children. This COVID vaccine now is going to be pushed on children. What do I mean by pushed? Well, I understand this is a nationwide show, and I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. If you're in a blue state, they're going to require your child to take this vaccine, or they're not going to be allowed to attend school, Little League, Boy Scouts, whatever they're doing. They're going to force this vaccine into your children. A vaccine against coronavirus. Coronavirus that is no danger to your children at all. Statistically, it's, it's less than the flu. It's less than bee stings. This thing is not a disease that affects children. And yet they're going to force it into your children. And, and get this, they don't have any idea what the side effects are going to be. Your children, that precious child of yours, the ones you would die for, I would die for mine in a heartbeat, right? Any parent would. These people are going to use your children like lab rats. We're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. That's how we found out about rare complications of other vaccines like the rotavirus vaccine. And I, I do think that we are going to, I, I do think we should vote to approve it. What? What? I, I'm sorry, Mr. Producer, I hate doing this, but I'm going to need you to play that for me again because I would have sworn the people who are voting to approve this vaccine that will then be forced on your kids, I would have sworn 
This guy just said, well, if we don't know if it's safe, we're just going to squirt it in him and find out. We're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. That's how we found out about rare complications of other vaccines like the rotavirus vaccine. And I, I do think that we are going to, I, I do think we should vote to approve it. Let me ask again about the good country thing. As a nation, not everywhere, right? I live in Texas, it won't happen here, but as a nation, several of our states, our most powerful states, are about to inject children with a vaccine. They don't have any idea whether or not it's safe for them for a disease that doesn't pose a risk for the kids. What kind of country does that? If that was done in a place like Afghanistan by some dude with a burqa on his head, you'd say, who are these barbarians? Look at this mass abuse of children. Culturally acceptable abuse. Who are these third world barbarians? Well, I'm sorry, just because it's done here in a lab coat doesn't make it any better. This is disgusting. It's monstrous. And the FDA opened up, you know, public comments. Some doctor got on there in the, in the public comments portion. Thought he laid it out pretty well. Expanding the EUA to children is unnecessary, premature, and will do more harm than good. There is no emergency for children, especially healthy ones whose risk of severe illness or death is almost nil. From CDC reports, we can expect that for every 18 child hospitalizations prevented, at least 43 will end up in the hospital for all causes following vaccination. How can you expect young children to take these risks to protect adults? Look at myocardial disorders on the right and ask yourself, why Pfizer's briefing document didn't mention their child sub-study on troponin levels? You should demand to see those results. There are over 900 types of adverse events reported in teens from Pfizer vaccination that have never been reported for flu vaccines, including 11 cases of MISC with no COVID infection, and that's before correcting for underreporting. Your approval today means mandates tomorrow. So in the name of millions of parents around the world, I implore you, hold the line. You ready? Are you ready to stop this? And I just, I want to have a frank talk with you here before we move on to other things. This is not about vaccine or anti, anti-vaccine for adults. You know, I've never, I've never told you to take one. I've never told you not to take one. I'm not vaccinated. I will not be getting vaccinated. I've given you my reasons for that a thousand times. I'm not at any risk significantly for coronavirus. I'm not obese. I don't have pre-existing conditions. And I do not bow to tyrants. I do not kneel for them ever. So I will never get it now, ever. But if you have, that's fine. That's fine. I understand. And I understand I get emails to my show all the time about Jesse, I couldn't lose my career, I took it. Jesse, I was worried and I took it. Jesse, I took it. That's fine, There's, you're not gonna get any judgment out of me. People do what they gotta do to pay their bills, keep their head above water. I, I get all that, I have been, but you're never gonna get judgment here, right? But I do need to say this. Do not give that vaccine to your child. I don't care what it means, but I'll have to pull them out of school. Pull them out of school. Oh, they can't go to their Cub Scouts. Little Billy loves Cub Cub Scouts. Find Cub Scouts somewhere else. Do not give that vaccine to your children. Stuff's gotten out of control. You see the seven-year-old? Seven-year-old with Down syndrome. Seven-year-old with Down syndrome was sent home with a mask 
tied to her head and neck with a nylon rope. Tied to her head and neck. This thing has turned people into the worst monsters in the history of mankind. A human being, a fully functional adult human being, took a seven-year-old with Down syndrome, and while they were tying a mask to this poor girl's face, that person thought they were the good guy. Wrap your mind around that. And I also want to drive home another point to you that I've had to drive home time and time and time again. None of the people telling you to worry about coronavirus are actually worried about coronavirus. Remember, so much of this mandate insanity came from Joe Biden. Well, I mean, wow. Joe Biden, must, he must think this is really serious. I mean, he's got to be scared to death of coronavirus. Well, that's weird because... He was campaigning for Terry McAuliffe in Virginia last night. Certainly doesn't look like a man who thinks masks do any good, or maybe he's just a man who's not that worried about coronavirus. And I did get a kick out of this. Dr. Burks, you remember the famed Dr. Burks? She testified before a House subcommittee on COVID and blamed the whole thing on Trump. Deaths 30 to 40%, except he was too worried about the election. It's funny, though, because I remember Dr. Burks. And you know what I remember about Dr. Burks? I remember last Thanksgiving, Dr. Burks stepping up to the microphone and telling the entire country, don't travel for Thanksgiving. No, 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 no. No extended family. Don't be hanging out with a bunch of family. Your immediate family only. Coronavirus is too dangerous. And then she wrapped up that press conference and promptly got on a plane to Delaware where she had a gigantic Thanksgiving celebration with both sides of her family. You see, that's what really makes all this so criminal. These people aren't even worried about coronavirus. This is systemic abuse of their citizens. Now, let me ask again, are we, are we a good country still? I mean... Floyd Mayweather is not exactly a model citizen, I realize that, but when we have professional boxers making more sense than the doctors, senators, and president, I'd say we're in a pretty bad state. America is the land of the free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and supposedly freedom to choose. Never be controlled by money. I respect you for having some integrity and being your own man. A free mind makes his own choices, and enslaved mind follows the crowd. Stand for something or fall for anything. One man can lead a revolution to stand up and fight for what's right. One choice, one word, one action can change the world. It's crazy how people hate you for being a leader. I hope your actions encourage many others to stand up and say enough is enough. Respect to you, Kyrie, and power to the people. Speaking about Kyrie Irving there, the NBA player who has essentially been kicked out of the NBA because he won't take the vaccine. I don't know about you, I didn't see professional boxers and NBA players being some of the bravest people in the country when it came to this tyranny, but here we are. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. We'll take it. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, we actually have to bring up Afghanistan again. We're going to talk about that next. But let me talk to you about something first. Something that makes everybody uncomfortable. Debt. Especially when it's your personal debt. 
oh, you and me, we'll talk about the national debt and all kinds of debt, but have you gotten yourself into debt problems? You owe over $10,000 or more? Don't, don't beat yourself up over it. It happens. People end up making money decisions. Either sometimes it's their fault, sometimes it's not, but they make money decisions that get them buried, and then people feel like they're never going to get out. They get embarrassed, they're ashamed, and they just kind of give up on it. Make one more phone call for me first, please. If you're buried in debt, call Total Financial Freedom first because they're a company that's been doing it for 15 years, A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They have been cutting people's payments sometimes in half. They can get you all the way out of that debt. Don't wallow in your sorrow. Make a phone call. Total Financial Freedom. And make sure you tell them Jesse told you to call. They'll help you out extra, all right? 877-332-8291. 877-332-8291. We'll be back. I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home, home. We are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. And I think that's important for the American public to hear and understand. They're not stranded. Stop being irresponsible. There aren't Americans stranded. Gosh, we're totally going to bring them home. Oh, and then they moved on from that. And they were like, well, there's like a hundred there. Okay. That's still a big deal. If there's one there that wants to come home and can't come home, that's a big deal. But okay, 100, let's, let's get them out. Except there aren't 100. That was two months ago. As of right now, we know of about 450 American citizens still stuck in Afghanistan. Still stuck in Afghanistan. Now, I don't want to get on my soapbox here about something, but I will say this. Part of being an American has always been, we will come get you if you were left behind somewhere. If you were stuck somewhere and you're an American citizen and you want to come back home, the American mantra has always been, we're not going to leave you. We will come get you. And we just took 450 American citizens and we just left them there like they were trash. I cannot believe what has happened to this country. I cannot believe where we are in our standing in the world and how truly disgusting and depraved the communists who've taken over the Democratic Party are. These are the worst people on the planet. And let's also remember something else about our disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. And I just want to make sure everybody's really clear about this. Remember, State Department took over. They abandoned Bagram. But then realized that it was all going poorly, so they sent our guys back in to try to guard some random airport. Thirteen of our guys got incinerated by ISIS at that airport. And then, in response to that, we drone striked a family of ten, including little kids. And our great generals claimed it was a righteous strike. Yeah, that really happened. Oh, and we can't forget about the refugees. We can't forget about the refugees. You know, all those people. Remember, everybody on the left and 90% of the pundits and politicians on the right, when Afghanistan was crumbling, they all saw sad pictures on the internet. And what were you saying? We need to bring them here. Can we get them all here? Uh, let's just bring them all in. We're America. We're better than that. Don't you love that? You hear that all the time. We're, we're better than that. Yeah. 
18-year-old girl just got raped in Montana by one of those refugees. Because it turns out, we now know Joe Biden ordered the military to fill up the planes with unvetted refugees, and we have since shipped them to the United States of America. Where are they now, Jesse? Well, I don't know. We know there's at least one bar hopping in Montana assaulting women. Where are the others? Do you think that was the only one? Why don't we have this information? Why won't the Biden administration tell us where these people are? And let's not forget something. I don't care how nice everybody tries to sound when it comes to different cultures and immigration. All cultures are not equal. All cultures do not mix well here. Europe had a horrible disaster on its hands with refugees specifically from Afghanistan. Assaults against their women, oftentimes gang assaults in horrible ways against their women, oftentimes took place by refugees from Afghanistan. We now have thousands and thousands and thousands of them here on order from the President of the United States of America. And we don't know where they are. Oh, and this little bit from the Undersecretary of Defense might be something we should also worry about. The current intelligence community's assessment is that ISIS-K could potentially develop a capability within 6 to 12 months and that Al-Qaeda could potentially develop that capability within one to two years. But it's precisely that threat that we need to remain vigilant and disrupt. Oh, okay. ISIS and Al-Qaeda, they're developing capabilities. We could have a strike here. Well, back to those refugees... Who got on those planes? I have a lot of friends in the military, some special forces guys, and they told me, they've told me several times, there are a lot of people on those planes that should not have been on those planes, and we knew it. And now they're here, and no one knows where they are. But that's okay. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? All right. We still have a huge show for you. We have a congressman. My friend Congressman Pat Fallon joins us next. But home title theft. Don't get burned. Home title theft is financially destroying people. Destroying people. Do not get burned by it. Because you will. If you own a home, your home title is online. These cyber thieves will hunt it down. They hack into it. I don't even know how these guys do that. They forge your signature on it. It looks real. Trust me, it happened to me. They go take a loan out against your home or two loans or three or four. You have to pay those loans back or they will evict you from your home. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now and sign up so it doesn't happen to you. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. China just tested a hypersonic missile. What will you do to keep up with them militarily, and can you vow to protect Taiwan? Yes, and don't worry about whether we're gonna, they're going to be more powerful. What you do have to worry about is whether or not they're going to engage in activities that will put them in a position where they may make a serious mistake. And so I have had... I've spoken and spent more time with Xi Jinping than any other world leader has. So are you China. saying that, that the United States would come to Taiwan's defense if yes, China we, attacked? Yes, we have a commitment to do that. Oh, no worries then. 
Joining me now, Republican Congressman from the great state of Texas and my friend Pat Fallon. Congressman, um, I, I don't know about you. I'm totally at ease. Joe Biden says he's all over it. <laughs> Jesse Kelly, great to be on with you, brother. And uh, listen, what Joe Biden needs to do is do something decisive, which he unfortunately has not done in the first 10 months, which is our office has filed a concurrent resolution to say in no uncertain terms that the United States will guarantee Taiwanese security which means that if essentially it's like NATO, an attack on one is an attack on all. Because the last thing China wants is a hot war with a very strong and powerful United States. They're just looking for that weakness. After Afghanistan, they're thinking and they're probing and they're wondering, will Biden really do anything? So I would love, I would, I'll give Joe Biden all the credit in the world. He can call it the Biden doctrine. It's about policy and it's about protecting literally the free world. And there's very few Jeffersonian democracies out there in the first place. And we want to protect our friends in Taiwan. Uh, Congressman, obviously you're a bit more educated on the subject than most. What is it with China and Taiwan? Why do they want the place so badly? It's just an issue for them. You're not even allowed to say the word or they'll scold you for it. Why? Well, Jesse, that's actually a really good uh, question and to point out to folks. Um, listen, Taiwan used to be a part of China. And it was historically, and we're talking thousands of years. And then in 1949, when Shanghai Shek fled with his Kuomintang army, uh, they, they were defeated by the communists in Mao Zedong, and they went to Taiwan. And because there's 100 miles of separation, 100 miles of ocean between the two, Mao Zedong was in no position to invade Taiwan. He wanted to, but then the United States stepped in and said, no, you're going to leave it right there. So we recognized, the United States recognized Taiwan as their, what we would call the time the Republic of China as the legitimate seat of government in uh, for China, and they were seated in the United Nations until approximately 1972, when Richard Nixon switched over and, and recognized mainland China. And so ever since, they've been saying that we want to get uh, a whole China, uh, all of the Chinese territory back under one government, ruled out of Beijing. They had a 99-year lease with Hong Kong. They had a agreement with the Portuguese in Macau. So now Macau and Hong Kong are under China's domain, but still Taiwan is outside. So it's a lot of it's about pride. And you have a very successful economy as well. There's 23 million people that live in Taiwan. And China would love nothing more than to, you know, kind of put it the crown jewel, if you will, into their uh, new China moving forward in this century. Is China, is are, are they an imperial power we should be worrying about as a country? I realize that they can't exactly land on the shores of California, but how advanced are they militarily? It's a question nobody can seem to give a straight answer on. Uh, very. It's, it's one thing, I'm, I sit on the Armed Services Committee and we get a lot of classified briefings about China's military specifically. Obviously, I can't go into detail about those briefings, but I can tell you that I'm alarmed. I can tell you that we should be concerned. I can tell you that your uh, <clears throat> statement is well placed because, yeah, they're an imperial power. And they wanted to shore up, again, what they believed was part of China. Macau and Hong Kong, they already have. Taiwan will be the next if they can have their way. And there are even, uh, you know, they have manufactured islands in the south, east, southeast of China, <clears throat> right off the coast of the Philippines. They manufactured islands and they fortified them with military bases immediately. We should have never allowed that to happen. Now that's a fait accompli. And they're licking their chops. They definitely want to be not only the dominant power in, uh, in Asia, but across the world. Would you want an island? I've always wanted an island. <laughs> hey, Jess, yeah, well, we, I would rather have it probably around, I don't know, the Bahamas. 
right, more so than than out there off the Philippines. But yeah, and I guess uh, you know Xi Jinping just takes care of business. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, credit to him for having the island I always wanted. All right, in all seriousness, Afghanistan. Uh, we were yeah. told, well, we don't have to recap the entire embarrassing disaster of that, but we were told, oh, yeah, there's some Americans left behind, but it's like a hundred of them or something like that. Um, that's apparently all a big, a big lie. Jesse, what we were told by this administration on Afghanistan, pretty much uh, I mean, everything that they said, every major issue they were talking about, they were just wrong with. Uh, back in July, Biden said that the Afghan army could hold and he felt that they would be able to provide security for the country. That obviously proved it to be an absolute disaster. I don't know if he was just naive or just lying at the time. But I mean, the American people need to know what went on. We should have held Bagram. We could have held Bagram. But Biden wanted to have 600 troops there. He backed state, the State Department's play. But if we had 2,500 troops, we could have held Bagram. We could have held the Kabul airport and protected the embassy. But once we went down to 600 troops, we had to get out of Bagram, which meant we gave uh, just an incredibly functional and great base back to the Taliban. But there were also 5,000 prisoners be, that were being held in Bagram that were then released shortly thereafter our departure. We don't know how many of them have come to the United States. There's about 70,000 Afghan evacuees that are here on our home soil, and they were supposed to have three-dimensional vetting I'd like to know how many people they have sent back, because you know as well as I the thousands of people that got on those planes that should have never uh, been there. But uh, And I know the number, and again, they were rather clever. They did it in a classified setting, so I can't share it with you. But uh, when, when that truth comes out, you're going to be appalled. Well, I, I have no doubt I'm going to be appalled, and I believe it was Idaho. I apologize, I apologize if I mess up the state, but a young lady was already assaulted terribly by one of these refugees from Afghanistan. How is it humanly possible, Congressman, that we have this refugee system that does... Are we even checking IDs before we just send them down to Motel 6? Well, that's the sad thing. There are some folks, that, and I call the ones that legitimately left Afghanistan that we wanted to help, as not even refugees, but evacuees. Because if you're, you, you know this, you're a Marine, you have a translator that's working with the United States military, risking their own life and the life of their families for the, the cause of freedom and liberty and rule of law. And we make a commitment to those folks as they've made one to us. And if it's the Taliban takes over and they're gonna be, you know, they're physical, uh, they're, they're risking physical harm, if not death, and they want to come to the United States, I think we should absolutely have that person there. And I think they're going to be end up becoming a great American. But the folks that we don't know who you are, like you just get on a plane because you want to, those are refugees. And a lot of those folks shouldn't have come. And I didn't believe the administration when they told us that they were going to have a three-dimensional, robust, anytime, Jesse, that a liberal uses the word robust, run. Because that's one of their go-to uh, nomenclatures. And they didn't do it. And there are thousands of people that shouldn't be here, tens of thousands, perhaps. And I knew once they got on American soil, they weren't going to send them back. And you know what? I don't know if they're going to or not. So we need to call on the administration to reveal to the American people just how many people have been sent back. Congressman, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Hey, Jess, God bless. Take care. And I'll come back anytime. Take care, man. He's a good man right there. I've known him a long time. Good man. All right. John Ziegler joins us next. He always has a lot to say. But first, do you have a friend or relative, maybe a spouse, maybe a dad? I guess that's also a relative, but still, you know what I'm saying. Do you have somebody close to you who smokes and you want them to quit? 
or dips and you want them to quit. Have you ever found yourself saying things to them like, you need to quit. That's bad for you. You got to quit. I'm somebody who's dipped, who dipped for a long time. I dipped for years, years. I'm telling you this, that doesn't work. You want it to work. And I know it comes from a good place. There's no judgment here. It doesn't work. Give them a solution instead of a lecture. Jake's Mint Chew works because it gives them that fix. I still have some in my house because I still crave dips and I just have a Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free, it's nicotine-free, it's even sugar-free. They have 11 different flavors along cut and they have these little CBD pouches, really helps. In fact, the smokers love the little CBD pouches, takes that edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com and use the promo code JESSE It'll get you 10% off, all right? No more lectures. Give them a solution. JakeSmithShoe.com, promo code JESSE. We got John Ziegler next. Hang on. Media trust is pretty low. I know you're going to find that shocking, but wow. Gallup has a pullout. 36% of Americans have an even fair amount of trust in the media. 31% of independents and only 11% of Republicans. But you know, here's the thing about trust. It's earned. I know that's an old kind of cliche saying, but it's true. Trust is earned, and so is distrust. And this, my next guest has a bit to say about that. John Ziegler, he's a senior columnist with Media, sharp dude, and he is all over a story that I have found to be completely fascinating. And as I welcome in John, I just want to make sure everyone understands the Penn State Jerry Sandusky thing is something everyone remembers, at least vaguely. And what do you know about it? You know what you were told. And what were you told? Penn State had a football coach who was apparently abusing young boys at, a, at, a, at an alarming rate on the, sta- on the campus of Penn State. And there was a huge cover-up, and now he's in prison. And everyone knows these things to be true. John Ziegler, welcome. Are they true? Jesse, uh, they're not true. And the most amazing part of this whole story, which we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of in just uh, a week and a half from November of 2011, is that it's not even close. And I'm glad you started this conversation with trust in the media, because if people understood even the tip of the iceberg of this remarkable real story of what did not happen involving the so-called Penn State scandal, those numbers would be at zero. They would be literally zero trust, because this was a story that the news media told us in two or three days back in November of 2011, trust us. We're going to tell you a nonsensical story, a story that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, destroying the lives of five incredibly respected men at Penn State, including the great Joe Paterno, in just a couple of days with no actual evidence. Just trust us. We're going to, we're going to know exactly where this story is going to go, even though we don't know anything. We know none of the facts. We know none of the names of the accusers. We All we know is this horrendous allegation, and then in the middle of a panic, and we've seen over the last year and a half plus what happens in a panic, Jesse, especially when the media has an agenda and a narrative that they like. We come to all sorts of conclusions that make no sense, and then once we have come to those conclusions, look out, because the news media and so-called experts and whatever realm it is 
never, ever, ever want to admit that they are wrong, and they see all the facts that come in through the prism of their original narrative. I have no connection to Penn State. I went to Georgetown. I, I'm, I live in Southern California, where in 2011 I was a documentary filmmaker. And this story never made any sense to me, but I bought most of it. I bought the part about Sandusky abusing young boys. I said, okay, that, that's plausible, I guess. The, the cover-up story makes no sense. The paternal angle is absurd. But I'm going to investigate this, because I know this is a type of story, from my own experiences, that the news media is very vulnerable to blowing. And what I found, Jesse, is that not only did they blow this, they blew this in catastrophic fashion, and it's not even close. And we did a podcast, which I know you're aware of, called With the Benefit of Hindsight, which will soon have 20 different episodes, including enormous numbers of exclusive interviews of people very close to this case. And when you realize the true fact uh, and fiction of what did and did not happen here, the most amazing part of it is it's not even close. Everyone at Penn State was innocent. The media blew this story. And I have explained it all in incredible detail, telling a story that no one else on the other side is able to refute or tell a story on their own. That's the most amazing part of this. No one on the side of the conventional wisdom of this story has ever been able to tell a narrative that makes a damn bit of sense. They just tell us this comical fairy tale that you just described at the top of the segment, and then they just say, oh, well, we all know this is what happened. Let's move on. I didn't move on. I did the math. The math on this story never added up. I've made it add up, and it's an absolute catastrophe from so many different aspects. Okay, the, and again, I want to make sure everybody goes and listens to the podcast because it is. I'm, I, we don't have time for you to give all the details here. You do in the podcast. With the benefit of hindsight is the name of the podcast. So let me just ask a couple, couple basic questions of it, John. Why? Like when we talk about COVID and media panic and stuff like that, it's not hard to figure out why Democrats uh, in the media loved coronavirus. It destroyed an economy that was going to get Donald Trump elected. It gave power to every scumbag in this country and money in their pocket. It's not hard to figure out why they would push COVID panic. Why would anybody make an accusation like that, which is, I mean, I don't think you can accuse somebody of doing anything worse than that. Why? Where did it come from? I'm an ardent anti-conspiracy person. In fact, the only people who are pro-conspiracy in this story are the ones that believe that there was a massive cover-up involving Joe Paterno and three very well-respected administrators at Penn State. There was no massive conspiracy here. This was a perfect storm of factors that caused everyone to act in their own self-interest. And the most dramatic self-interest here was with regard to the accusers. These are accusers, let's be clear, every single person who testified at Jerry Sandusky's trial made millions of dollars from their an almost entirely anonymous, thanks to the news media protecting them, anonymous testimony. And th that is an enormous incentive. In fact, one of the accusers, one of the least credible accusers at Jerry Sandusky's trial, number nine, got paid based upon documents leaked to me and another reporter from the Penn State settlements, got $20 million, $20 million. That's a hell of an incentive to tell a story that you're gonna get away with without anyone even knowing your name. Uh, and this, is, this was one of many very perverse incentives. But I think maybe the most important perverse incentive was that of Penn State. 
because Penn State, once they panic in the middle of this media firestorm and they fire Graham Spanier, the president of the university and the great Joe Paterno, they are effectively taking responsibility. They are pleading guilty to things that, that did not happen, that they have no evidence happened. And once that happens, Penn State has an incredible self-interest, the people that run Penn State, to use other people's money to take responsibility for things that did not happen so that they will look good in the New York Times and the news media. And most importantly, they will justify the firing of Joe Paterno and Graham Spanier. Because if it turns out that this is all a fraud, this is all a, a, a massive uh, mistake, this is a Theranos, this is a Jussie Smollett situation, then they're the biggest morons that have ever lived in the history of the planet. So now they are invested. They are deeply invested. They're like people who said we should all be wearing masks. They are invested in that being true and real and the right decision. And once that happens, the media just says, well, my gosh, Penn State would be fighting this if it didn't happen. No, the people that were in charge had a self-interest in this being true. And there are many people at Penn State, and we've interviewed several of them, former Penn State Board of Trustees members who know this is not true. They've seen all the documents. They publicly said, yes, even Jerry Sandusky is innocent here and it's not close. But of course the news media being as deeply invested as anyone in this narrative is not interested in alternative facts on this because they already have their fairy tale. This was an incredible Greek tragedy. This was tremendous for their ratings. It sold uh, you know, newspapers and, and created TV ratings, especially for ESPN for years. And there's no way they're ever gonna admit they were wrong unless absolutely forced to. And it's almost impossible in a case like this for that to happen. His name is John Ziegler. The podcast is with the benefit of hindsight. Also, obviously he's a big columnist with the media. John, thank you so much. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Jesse. All right. Go listen to it. Make your own decisions. All I'm saying is go listen to it. Next, we got Light in the Mood. You know what's underrated? Women who understand men have different interests than women do. Right? I don't want to shop for more pillows. We have all the pillows there are. I don't want to watch sappy love stories. I don't want to watch your weirdo serial killer documentaries. And sometimes, if I'm getting married, I want to do it out in the place I love the most. <laughs> Who gets married on a golf course? <laughs> I love people. All right. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you then.